Leadership Growth Show. My name is Sammy Gonzalez. And as always, I'm joined here by my good buddy, co-author, co-founder of The Pursuit of Growth, Greg Brinkley. What's up, Greg? Hey, Sammy. I'm doing good. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. I, I do have to point something out before we kind of get into the show. It's a little unscripted, but tonight we have a very special guest on that you're about to uh, intro, but I'm going to have to go around the room here shortly and ask... Uh, I think we all have a, a nice beverage tonight, so we'll have to go around. So as you introduce yourself, make sure you uh, say what you're drinking. And I've got a nice Willet uh, bourbon here in honor of Hayes. Uh, so uh, Greg, take it away. Very good. Well, I've got a nice glass of Bullet bourbon myself. And you mentioned Hayes. We'll get to his drink here in just a second. But very excited to have Mr. Carter, Mr. Hayes Carter, as a guest on the Pursuit of Growth show. So you may be asking yourself, who is Hayes Carter? Well, we've got the answer. Hayes is a serial entrepreneur that has worked for himself since 2010 and over the last 11 years has grown several businesses and his family. Hayes has faced many challenges and had few successes, had a few successes over the last decade. Probably wanna make sure we say has had few, no, has had a few, yes. He has owned and operated several businesses, including three Anytime Fitness franchises, a Waxing the City franchise, a Landman brokerage, part of a custom home building business, and some commercial real estate. Hayes currently serves as the Vice President of Land for Lease Analytics, a niche consultancy in the oil and gas business. In 2020, Lease Analytics was informed they made the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list which Hayes played an instrumental part in the growth of the company. He received his degree in business management and entrepreneurship from Louisiana Tech University. Hayes, how are you and what are you drinking? I'm good and I'm drinking, uh, hanging out with my buddy, Mr. Ron Zacafa here. I got a nice 23 year old. Uh, yeah, it's, it's delicious. If you have not had Ron Zacafa 23, you should definitely go get you a glass or a bottle or Come up and see me in Prosper. We can have one on the back patio and talk about it, you know? I love it. Well, it sounds like Ron is kind of a hero of yours. Oh. And that leads us into the first question that we have for you. Growing up in Louisiana, who were some of your heroes, Hayes? And well, how did you try to emulate them in your life? First and foremost is my sensei at the Cobra Kai Dojo <laughs> back in the late 80s. Um, it was take no shit. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, growing up, it's it was kind of a mixed bag. You know, I, I was pretty generic. Like, uh, my dad was obviously my hero. I looked up to him. He owned his own small business in town. He he was a pawnbroker. Uh, he was a pawnbroker for 25 years there in Ruston. Um, I used to remember just going in there every day after school and playing and just hanging out in there and you know, spending time behind the counter, playing with guns or playing with tools or whatever, you know, uh, just watching them negotiate. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was really cool because like even when I got to college, I still lived in town and dad had his pawn shop. So I just, I'd go stop in there and hang out and like, you know, there's several police officers that hung out in there throughout the day, they would stop in and it's just, just a good place to be and just kind of shoot the breeze. And then of course, my grandfathers uh, both had their hands in the shape of me, who, who I am, you know. And, um, like I, I grew up working on the farm under, in the summertime under my 
granddad on my mom's side. And I spent a lot of time with him in the fields, you know, chopping cotton, walking the fields. I mean, I walked the fields with him until he was 82 years old. Uh, He didn't have to do any of that, but he did it every day. Like he would show up, lead from the front, you know, mostly because I think me and my brother were out there. Um, Just, you, you learned a lot about leadership from him and, and just working hard and, and getting the job done and figuring it out with limited resources and making no excuse. Um, like later in life, I was hanging out with him like when he was in the hospital and I was in college and I was just staying the night with him in the hospital. And I was asking him, you know, granted, like I spent a lot of time with you in the field, but there's so much I don't know about you because you just telling me about working and working and working. Uh, it's like I realized I was like 22, 23 years old. I didn't really know him that well, you know, like I knew him, but I, right. I didn't know him. I knew him as my grandfather and I knew him like working for him, but there was some stuff that was missing. So I started asking him questions and I was like, well, what's one of your hobbies? You know, like, what do you like to do? Because the only thing I know you do is you, you work and you hang out with your family. He's like, I like to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was his hobby. <laughs> like no hesitation. His, his answer was work. That was his hobby. And I, that's all that dude did. He, he worked and worked and worked. And my other grandfather, he was a little bit the same way, but he was always, he was a little bit more personable. He was kind of more of a sales guy, uh, big laugh, big heart, uh, just, you know, everybody knew him. Uh, they, they named a road after him in Grenada, Mississippi, because of all the work he did at the ballpark in the summers. And, you know, even after he didn't have any grandkids there, uh, just, kind of give you an idea of who he was, but he just totally different personality, but still learned a lot of life lessons from him. Uh, just, yeah, he, he used to call me cricket because I had so much energy growing up. Just <laughs> <off the floor>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, those, I would say those are the guys that helped influence me growing up and, and I always looked up to when I was a kid. So there's just, just always a good time. How similar was your father's pawn shop to the reality TV show that we see that's become so famous? Any any crazy experiences that you witnessed uh, as a part of that shop like you see on the TV show? So, yeah, dad could write a book on the, uh, I'm just going to come out and say it, the batshit crazy stuff that comes on, comes in there. Like, I mean, obviously there's not the, you know, people walking in with just crazy thing and you're calling in third party, no, that stuff really ever happens. You know, you might call somebody and ask a question on what's the value if you don't already know it or have an idea of what it's worth. But it's the type of people that would come in there sometimes were a little interesting. Like I was in there one day, I was in, I must've been like 14 and this guy walks in. And I mean, this is pre-COVID, right? So this is like, I'm 14 years ago. I'm 14 years old, so I mean, can't even math that right now because it's been a long day, <laughs> plus years ago. Um, this guy walks in and he's got goggles on, a like face shield, uh, gloves, like rubber gloves, a fanny pack, a backpack, elbow pads. I think he has wrist guards, like the rollerblading wrist guards on, <laughs> knee pads. And some other interesting, I, I can't remember, but I mean, I'm just like watching this guy and you can't understand, he's trying to talk and ask all these questions about like, what do you have in here? What do you don't have? 
And I'm just standing over there just baffled looking at this room. <laughs> I was going, what is going on? And then that dude walked out and I'm like, dad, what the, what was that? <laughs> you know? He goes, oh, that's Space Cadet. I was like, you know this guy? He's like, he comes in here, you know, once a month and just never buys anything, just kicks the tires on a bunch of stuff. You can't ever hear him because his face is behind that shield, you know? Um, but there's, there's all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, just really interesting characters. You know, I, I remember seeing one time standing behind the counter and somebody brought in some video games that clearly had the like blockbuster stamp on them. <laughs> <laughs> like they were damn near in the blockbuster case. And they were talking about my dad, and I was like, really? <laughs> you know, like, you think I'm an idiot? Um, my dad was involved in helping solve a murder case one time. Okay, uh, okay. Don't, you got you to gotta go into that a little bit deeper, too. You know, it's been so long since I've heard the story, but it was basically he sold some ammo and um, he, you know, he had the police scanner running 24-7. He was a volunteer police officer in town. Uh, he knew all the policemen in town, which was good. Hey, real, real quick, what, what town did you grow up in? Uh, Ruston, Louisiana. Russell, Louisiana. Okay, gotcha. It was good and bad because, like, we knew all the cops, which we also meant we knew all the cops. So it's right. like when I was growing up as a teenager or a young man in college, it's like the cops all knew my dad, too. Right. So it's kind of like a <laughs> double-edged sword, I guess. Right. Um, but anyway, he, he um, I think it was something like he sold the guy some ammo, and then he hears on the police scanner, hears the, the caliber or something, the type of gun. And he ended up calling him saying, I feel like I, I sold that guy some ammo yesterday. And yeah, it was something crazy. I think you could probably find the story on the internet or the case on the internet, but he, he was basically just a testimony in saying, yes, I sold the guy some ammo, but wow. yeah. Um, just, just random, random stuff. Lots of guns, lots of jewelry and electronics. I mean, and some tools. For a while there, he took vehicles. That was kind of cool. He got some really cool cars and stuff. But yeah, uh, you ever get a chance to take it, take those for a spin and check them out? Well, I was always younger. Like he stopped taking vehicles when I was, I don't know, probably seven. Oh, okay. He got out of that. And I don't know why, but. I was always a big fan of it because he'd have like a new car like every week, you know. Nice. Like one week he'd be like in an El Camino to something else, you know. Like um, he he did have one truck that he really wanted to keep, and then somebody came in and offered him a stupid amount of money for it. He was like, uh, "I'm a businessman too." So, <laughs> you know, that's a that's actually a great great segue to some of the stuff we wanted to talk about today. Is is that whole business side of you because for the people that don't know, we've we've been in a, a kind of a leadership group, a, a peer leadership group for for a long time together, and that's how we met, and that's how we've stayed in touch and just become friends. And one of the aspects of that business group is you really get a chance to understand and learn from other people, and and from an entrepreneurship, from a business development, from just an overall business acumen standpoint i would say and i'm not just blowing smoke is that you probably have the insight you probably have more insight than anyone else in that room uh oh. when it comes to just that that pure 
hustle, understanding. And I think it all stems back to those roots that you're just talking about. I mean, it's almost a part of your DNA. So that's something we want to talk about today. So really two things we want to talk about. Well, first thing that I'll ask is, is about just entrepreneurship. I mean, we, we led with the fact that you've owned so many different types of businesses or a piece of this, a piece of that. And it always fascinates me. So why don't we leave with that? Like when, when did you get that entrepreneurship bug? Obviously it was bred into you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I guess one of my first businesses I ever owned was a firewood business uh, in high school. Me and <clears throat> me and a buddy of mine that I went to high school with, we would, his dad was the manager of a sawmill. And so we could just get the the lumber that they were throwing out, like they had a nail in it or something, uh, but it was already delimbed, so it was really easy. We didn't have to chop down a lot of trees. There was a couple of times we had to chop down a tree, but uh, the wood was usually right there. All we had to do was just chainsaw it, you know, and then get the split mall, split it, throw it on a trailer, and you know, making deliveries. And it's a straight cash business because you're you're using your you know your dad's chainsaw, <laughs> your dad's split mall borrowing his trailer, you know, you're doing all these things. So you, your startup cost was really small. It's just labor <laughs> and fuel. Um, you, know, you already had a truck, you know, so it's kind of like you already had some of these things, but it was a straight cash business, you know, and in the, the 90s or late 90s, it was, you know, you, you go make two, 300 bucks in a week in cash uh, for, you know, maybe because you know, we would leave football practice and then we'd split. So I'd drive to his house and probably would split until nine o'clock at night, I think, 10 o'clock at night, we'd go to bed. Maybe two nights a week, we'd get our wood split and then we'd deliver on the weekends. So maybe 16 hours of work and we're making two or 300 bucks a week. Man, that's high living. Man, that's, it is. We, <laughs> we were the cat's pajamas, man. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our other buddies got into it. So we had a competitor, you know, like, and then every once in a while, like when I was busy and I couldn't help with the delivery, like we would interchange people, we'd do a job together, you know, so um, had a lot of fun doing that, made a little money. Um, it was a good run. I think that was kind of like the start of it, but, you know, growing up is like everybody around me all worked for themselves, you know, like my grandfather on my, my, my dad's side, you know, he was, he worked for Otasco, retired from Otasco, which is Oklahoma Tire and Supply Company. And um, that's what brought him to Mississippi. He was in Oklahoma. And basically he was running that as like his own deal. It was kind of like a franchise, I guess. Hmm. And then once he retired or whatever, he got into real estate and started buying and flipping properties and all kinds of different stuff. And just like, I mean, he did storage units, he did farms, he did, you know, I got scars on my arms from scraping paint off a window that my cousin accidentally cut me with a razor. Uh, just on accident, <laughs> you know. Like, he did all kinds of stuff, and then <clears throat> my grandfather on my mom's side, you know, he he owned a farm, you know, and that's a seventh generation cotton farm. I have family members that came over from England that are buried out there, and I have family members that fought in the Battle of New Orleans that are buried out in the farm. Wow, um, it's just kind of cool, you know. So. And then my father working for himself. And so just growing up, it was like, this is kind of what you do. Uh, you kind of create your own path, your own destiny. And I, you know, working for other people and that's fine. Some people did it, you know, but my sister even, 
you know, I had a, I was a partner in her business for a while. She's a custom home builder. Uh, she worked for somebody else for a long time and then she broke out on her own and I joined her in that endeavor a little bit. And, um, you know, it's just, yeah, like everybody, when everybody you're surrounded with is doing this, like all my dad's friends growing up, uh, they all, most of them own their own business. You had Kurt Junker, who's like an uncle to me. Um, like I call him right now, I need to answer his phone. and be like, what do you need? Um, he, he owned a, the Vision Center, Rustin. He was an optometrist. He cuts glasses. I did a lot of jobs for him growing up. You know, Todd Faulkner in the air conditioning business. He owned his own business. He, I worked for him one summer when I decided to work, not do the farm. That was a mistake. Don't ever do AC business. <laughs> the summer in an attic in North Louisiana. It'll make you question everything. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, just... I guess if that's what you're surrounded with. That's what you're kind of drawn towards. I don't know. Um, just, it makes sense. Like, you know, right out of college, I worked for a guy for, I don't know, six years, seven years. And I was one of his top guys. And then the company went under just because natural gas prices dropped from $13 in MCF to two and all of our clients folded and the company had debt and, and some other problems too that were outside of my control, like the owners getting divorced and everything else. So you, I don't know how you <clears throat> save all that, but um, that's what kind of pushed me out on my own at that point. So, Hayes, when you were in college, did you uh, did you always think that in the back of your mind you were going to do something that you were going to be your own boss? Did you have an idea of what those things might be, or did you, were you going in a completely different direction? You know, when I was in college. I didn't even know what I wanted to be or graduate in, uh, to be hundred percent honest. Like I didn't declare a major until my, like I was there for like two years and I ran out of like, like general studies classes to take. They're like, you either need to get your associate's degree. I can you, relate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so what am I going to do? And I was like, what if, well, I'm not going to have to take any more math, you know, like, <laughs> I love math. Like I like math. I'm really good at finance. I'm really good at a lot of things, but for some reason I was really frustrated with math. I think And my advisor was like, you just need to do this. And he pushed me in the right position because I did the uh, business management entrepreneurship and, you know, like, yeah, jokingly, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to do all this stuff, you know, just bullshit with your buddies. But mm -hmm. that was never, I didn't think I'd be like, owning my own gig like to me that was even though I'm writing business plans for it in college and stuff it just kind of seemed really foreign and hard and scary and I'm like there's there's paperwork and all this stuff that I don't know about and I'm like at the core of it a business is really just a piece of paper mm. and like it's a it's just like the constitution uh it's a piece of paper that governs what you're gonna do uh, so it's not this complicated thing, you know, you can go on the Secretary of State's website tonight and get an LLC set up, you know, it's, <laughs> we've done it. <laughs> it's like, um, and it, I say that, but when I got into it, it's like, this is really difficult, you know, like, I don't know what, I don't know what I don't know. And then when you learn what you don't know, you're like, oh, okay. And then you start talking to mentors and advisors and different people and they start pushing you in the right direction because, I've never met an entrepreneur that's older than me that would not offer advice mm. and would not be more than welcome, willing to give back. Like 
they all want to help and give back. And I think there's this weird perpetual thing that happens with entrepreneurs. Like when you're at a different season of life, you, you, you are a different stage in your, your journey. You look back at those guys in the early days and you just feel for them because you know that you could, you're just like, Oh God, they're just, I could save them so much time, effort, money, just with like a five minute conversation. And you just, your heart bleeds for them a little bit. You don't want to, you're not there to offer them financial resources and all that other crap. You're there to offer them the most valuable thing at all. Like more than money, it's, it's wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, like King Solomon, what did he pray for? And God gave him wisdom and he was the most wealthy man and all mankind, you know, it's just, there's this weird code and I've never met an entrepreneur that wouldn't offer advice. My, there's this thing, my wife jokes about me all the time and all my friends make fun of me because they're like, where's Hayes when we're at a bar? He's like, oh, he's probably in the corner talking to the oldest guy in the room. And I'm like, you damn right I am. Yeah. That old guy's got a story in there. I'm going to get it out of him. I'm going to find out what he did and how he did it. It doesn't matter if he owned his own business or he worked for the man for 30 years. I don't care. He knows something I don't and I'm going to go learn about it. Yeah. And they always make fun of me, but you know, here we are. <laughs> so, right. I mean, yeah. hey, Hayes, when you talk about, um, you know, sharing wisdom with younger entrepreneurs, are there a handful of, of areas or topics or initiatives that you see young entrepreneurs typically struggling with? And do you have certain advice that you reach out and, and try to share with them? You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, that's a really broad question. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's yes and no. Uh, I know what I struggle with and I'm thankful for the mentors and friendships I've made over the years. You know, I started reading books and I, I got into entrepreneurship thinking I knew everything. I was going to kick the world's ass and I got humbled real quick. And uh, I started reading books and listening to books and going down these rabbit holes and one book would lead me to another book. It was kind of like God's plan. This is what I need you to learn. And then they all had a common theme, you know, mentors, 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 you got to find mentors. Like, where do I find people that are willing to give me their time just to bullshit with me about business? And I'm like, that's, that's ridiculous. And you start meeting people and like, I meet this guy, like I talked to him today, my buddy Brent Menard, he's close friend of mine. He owned, this is the most entrepreneur dude I've ever met. Like this dude's a hustler. His wife's a hustler. His kids are hustlers. Like hands down, pretty, pretty impressive guy just to talk to. He's done all kinds of different things. Uh, He's just fun to talk to, but you know, I met, I met him when I was a kid shopping at his store that he owned in college. I was a customer. My, My mom was a customer there. I was a kid going into the store. He was in college. He owned the store. He started. And then here I am at an Anytime Fitness Conference, I don't know, 15, 20 years, probably 25 years later. And I bump into him randomly and I just knew his name uh, from being from Ruston and me and him hit it off. And like, he's always called me back and given me as much time as I needed just to talk through things always help me like that is valuable um 
that's worth more than anything. And you, you start getting people like that in your network and you start meeting them. You're like, man, can I get your number? Can I call you? And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm really going to call you. I'm going to come pick your brain. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm weird like that. Like I'm going to have a question one day. There's going to be a question that comes up in my life and I'm going to call you. And those guys will always answer, you know? And so it's like, when you have a buddy that's about to start a business and they're going through it and they're very early in they're calling you and asking you questions, you're like, you're like, I'm more than happy to go meet you and make time for you, spend as much time with you as you need and work on your plan. I just want to hear it. And then they're like, you know, they're so thankful you give them time. You're like, I don't think you understand how much I love this stuff too. Like I'm learning stuff. I'm learning about your business. I think it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, just a deep passion for it. I think, you know, you could tell one thing that you're from a small town um, for one major reason, because I think Greg and I are both the same way. We're both from small towns is you always refer to people by their first and last name. Always. It doesn't matter. It's like you don't have a buddy named Jimmy. It's it's Jimmy, whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. But I laugh because I do the same thing. And I know Greg does, too. But that's kind of takes us back to your origin story when you're talking about that, but you can definitely see just like the roots of who you are just being fed through that small town, that, that ability to talk to anybody. There's a running joke in my family that, um, you know, you don't want to go to the grocery store with my mom because uh, you'll be there for three hours. And uh, my wife got a firsthand account of that as well. Uh, Yeah. But that's, that's the one thing that I think you called out there about someone being that super entrepreneur um it's kind of like you know has done everything i mean that's very impressive owned a store when he was in college but i mean you've got those skins on the walls meet his kids like his oldest son's like 30 i think and like i learn stuff from him every time i talk to him yeah and i'm like how have you been how do you know like he's been an entrepreneur longer than i have and i'm older than him by eight (laughs) nine years like, how is that possible? Because he started when he was 14. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, that that's what it kind of brings to that point. It's like, I was going to say, you've got skins on the wall too, you know, like, and that's what one thing that Greg and I have always been so impressed with you is that you've got that flexibility, that understanding, that business acumen. But so let's dig in a little bit into to your businesses. And really one of the biggest things that I want to know, and I think you and I have had conversations about this, is how do you juggle it all? Like you, you seem to have all those balls up in the air, but it's all coordinated. It's all, it all makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's organized chaos, man. Uh, but I mean, it's the same thing as any business, you know, it's, you, you, you set up a business structure. Um, if you, you have a, a structure, you delegate and you trust your people, um, you know, early on building and driving and like just, pushing the businesses to all grow. Like I'm, I'm a lot smaller of an organization than I was, you know, two years ago. Um, when I had, I think close to 30 employees at one time and now I'm less than 16. So, you know, I think 25 employees all in, I think at one time it wasn't 30, it was 25. Now we're closer to like 15 ish, uh, fluctuates a little bit, but you, you, you delegate, (laughs) trust people because the second you start finding yourself doing somebody else's job consistently, what do you, your, your labor costs will eat you alive. 
You don't need that person anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've lost a lot of money thinking with my heart, not thinking with my head. At the end of the day, it's a business and you can't, you can't save the world. You know, like I got to feed my family too. And so it's, it's one of those things that if somebody's not producing, sometimes you got to make a cut and it's what's best for the business. It's what will make the business survive because without the business surviving, nothing works. Like you lost everything. Like you have, you're not putting food on your table anymore. And so, um, I don't know. So that's one of those things. It's like, if I find myself doing too much, um, I'm doing their job at that point And I need to find a replacement because they're usually, and then once you find a replacement, you usually find all the other things that they weren't doing. <laughs> so it's kind of like just getting quicker about that, finding new people, but that's, I don't know, like you get to a point though, once you get everything established that you, the season, your business kind of grows in this next level to where it's just not so demanding. And you, you, you pull, you pull yourself back to where you're working on the business a little bit more. Don't get me wrong. A small organization like mine, you have to be in the business too. Everybody talks about being on the business, but you can't just be a hundred percent focus working on the business and the organization my size. I mean, I'm like, I'm not running a 500 man company, you know, it's, it's pretty small. So it's, you gotta be in the weeds scrubbing the toilets too. So you, you gotta balance that. Um, but it's not as, it's not as hard as you think, especially once you get the business established, if it's a new business, it's brand new, you know, first year, those first two years are crucial. Uh, you need to be there every day, especially in retail. You need to be on site every day until the end of time, working hours after hours, talking to your, every customer that walks in the door, getting to know them, getting knowing their kids, knowing, knowing their entire family. Like you need to know how, you need to have a really strong pulse on your business. You need to know what's happening. Um, and you really need to drive the culture and you can't do that if you're not there. I think those first two years is very important to be on site, but once you start getting outside of that, it starts evolving and it kind of gets its own little vibe. Um, you start putting the right people in place and then you can start kind of taking steps away from it, you know, kind of like a kid, you know, you, you raise the kid to get to a certain point and then it gets body trained and then it gets, goes off to school and it starts driving college or whatever it needs less and less of you but it still needs you um if that if that makes sense i don't know i I think a really good analogy yeah i think equating a business to a to a baby is is or a child is is definitely probably one of the best analogies because yeah if if you're not careful you know bad things can happen right (laughs) now Yeah. You're not paying attention to it. all your money, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talk, so tell us a little bit about the businesses you're in right now. If, if you want to share some of those. Just yeah, so I'm, uh, I just got one anytime now. Um, and then, you know, it's just a, it's a small, convenient 24 hour gym. You join one, you have access to all, all 3000 of them worldwide. I think we're in 30 countries now. Hmm. Um, so you're a global CEO is what you're telling us. Yeah, so I'm prestige worldwide. <laughs> yes. Walmart entertainment business. <laughs> uh, and so 
anytime it's just a smaller weights, cardio, you know, we do some group training, do some personal training. Uh, I, like I was a member of the gym, I always liked it. Uh, that's why I got into it. I was working out in there one day and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was like, I really like this gym. I was talking to the manager. He's like, you should open one. I was like, okay. And I left, I went and got on the Anytime Fitness website and applied and did all that. And I was talking to him that, that evening. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm off to the races, but like, um, waxing the city is my other business. My wife, like that's her business. Uh, I help her with it a good bit. Uh, but that's really her show to run. So you talk about time, you know, I support her, but as far as like the grind of being there every day, that's more my wife. I was there the first year I was on site a lot to help because I understood my wife had never done this before. Um, so I just officed out of there and then I would, when I wasn't at my gyms, I would be there office. And when I was doing my office work, I was in one of the back rooms. So I was always there. I actually worked the front up there for like six months, um, answering the phones, checking people out, booking appointments, learned a lot about it, you know? Um, again, that first year, it's very important. Uh, but that's really my wife's thing. So I'm, my main thing is I'm responsible really for two employees at one gym and then um, the, the other thing I'm doing is I, I do sales or I'm the vice president of land for a small consultancy in the oil and gas space, which is kind of my background. Uh, Pre-COVID, there was a lot of travel involved with that. Um, it's just, I help with the business strategy, you know, pricing, um, coming up with new ideas around services, um, and then obviously sales and clients, keeping them happy. But we are back office data to the max. Like we help integrate, we help, um, we're like a miniature Accenture per se, but I'd say we're a little bit better because we're nimble. Accenture mm -hmm. doesn't have the flexibility that we have or the specialty, you know, cause we're IT and land and that's where a lot of these big consultancies just lack. They don't have that knowledge that we have and they don't have the massive respect for the data that we have. So I think there's just things that sets apart. Shameless plug. But <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, it's a really fun business. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy being, doing something, you know, after doing retail for 10 years and grinding the face off uh, every day and scrubbing toilets, it's nice to just kind of, get out and do something a little bit different again. Um, but I still, still miss the gyms, you know, it's, that's a big part of my life, you know, I'm, and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So it's, <laughs> I find myself on by this cell or just looking at things, seeing what's coming, you know, and I find it interesting. I really do. Like a, you go to a different business and you're kind of walking around, checking it out. You're like, what makes this place tick? Um, you know, I was at a, indoor playground the other day with my daughter and I was like trying to figure out all the revenue streams in there while she was playing I'm like oh, how do they make money you know like <laughs> or they, like yeah like it, it's sad because I even looked up uh <laughs> I might have gotten on LoopNet and tried to get an estimate of what they were paying in rent to really back into the numbers <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love that. Well, that's that mindset that you're, you're talking about. You know, you were raised around people that thought that way 
and you've been just inundated with that type of mindset. So it, it's really become a habit and just a natural a part of your life. And I think it's it's interesting for me to hear someone like you talk about this and just, you know, Sam and I started the pursuit of growth business and going through a lot of those challenges that you talked about in terms of, you know, getting the business set up and then starting to put together the revenue streams and, you know, just how important it is to talk to mentors and other people who have done it. And, you know, everything you've said so far has been really enlightening and, and inspiring to me. A, a question that I have along those lines, and I think people listening to this are probably wondering this, how do you allocate your days or maybe your week to these different projects that you're involved with? Is each week different based on the variables that are going on with the businesses? Or do you try to have some type of a structure where you're like, Monday, Tuesday, I do this, Wednesday, Thursday, I do this, and then Friday, I focus here. How do you kind of, how do you manage this? Uh, you know, so the schedule is always an evolving thing. You know, like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Right. Like, um, <clears throat> some things I have that are just built into the calendar, like reoccurring meetings for lease analytics, for example, like we have client meetings scheduled weekly. Um, and those are going to happen no matter what, where I'm at. Um, so good thing about, you know, the world we live in is some of those meetings or most of those meetings are virtual. So I can literally work from anywhere, um, on that, in that regard, but, you know, it's, <sighs> I try to have some structure and, you know, I got a newborn in the house right now. And so to be hundred percent transparent, my normal schedule has been just way out of whack. I'm trying to get back. Like, like I've been really consistent, like the last week and a half at working out again. And I've been, you know, just back at it and it felt good, you know? And I'm like, cause when people make fun of me or say like, Hey, oh, Hayes, you, you, you've all, you gained some weight or you're, you're off track. And I'm like, this is only temporary for me because I've been down this road a little bit before. Like anytime I started a business, you know, it's like my health goes way down because you just, you're on site all the time, working, working, working. It's hard to, you say like everybody tells you, you need to schedule time for yourself and you need to put your time in and take care of yourself first. But that's, it's easy to say when, when you're on the outside looking in, but we're in the middle of the fight and you, the only thing you can think about is that, like accomplishing that, like you, then here you are a year later and you're out of shape and you got to get back at it again. And so I'm like, it's all temporary. I'll get back in shape. I've been down this road before. Granted, it's getting harder as I get older, but I'm not a quitter. So <laughs> yeah, right. it's, it's just a temporary pause, but my normal schedule is like, I try to, I try to wake up early, you know, like 5 a.m. or whatever, work out for an hour, hour and a half, and then get home when my kids are waking up or kid at that time or before I had kids. And then I could have my whole day and be like, you know, Monday I'd be here and my schedule's changed because my businesses have literally been changing over the last year. So it's like, I never told my employees at the retail locations where I was going to be every day. I tried to make that a little bit random because I found that if they knew I was going to be here every Tuesday, mm -hmm. uh, they would clean really hard on Monday, <laughs> you know? So it was like, um, I, I don't want them to know when I show up. So I'd always mix it up so that the places always had to be clean, but I had certain days that I would plan to be out. Um, I would always have like mornings for this time. It seemed lately it's been, I'm really just working from home right now because of COVID. 
I'm just now starting to get back out on the road. Like the last, this is the first week in three weeks I haven't been on the road. Hmm. So, um, I'm, I'm starting to get back out on the road. Like before it was like, I would travel anytime between Tuesday and Thursday, depending on when clients would allow me to meet with them. You know, I'd be getting meetings between Tuesday and Thursday every week. Um, that was kind of my goal. That way I'd be home Monday and Fridays to work on my other businesses, be a family, everything else. That was my initial goal. But uh, since COVID, I've really been working from home and on site a little bit. Um, so my schedule's been changing a lot this last year. So it's hard to say, like, how do you balance that? I guess I don't know. Yeah. Do, do you have a certain time during the week where you sit down and maybe map out the next couple of days, or do you do you have a, a spot where you sit and say, okay, based on what I know is going on in all these businesses, I'm going to plan the next three days out kind of accordingly? How do you how do you juggle that? So I'm really bad about that, <clears throat> and I've seen that you're an expert at that because I've seen your little binder, and I'm like. That's organization to the next level. I'm like, <laughs> I got this right here. It's in queue to read. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm going to find out the Greg Brinkley uh, system for planning out your life. <laughs> I'm well, working that, on Actually, we, we may go in more depth in our next book. We, we may, and actually Sammy and I are talking about one of our next projects, maybe putting together like a planner and yes. organizational structure based on what we do. <clears throat> Um, and I'll just share, and I want to come back to you, but for me, I was probably the most unorganized person that I knew from high school, college, and then getting out of college so bad to where I would lose my car keys five times a week. I was just a complete mess. And so I started developing the system out of necessity so that I could keep a job. And, uh, it just took off onto its next level and it, Hey, what works for me now may not work for somebody else. But the principles are universal. And right. I'm telling you, even though I just said they may not work for everyone else, they will work for everybody. Yeah. So, hey, we'll, we'll work with you on that one, buddy. So like I used to do list. I, I mean, I just keep a list of sticky notes and I write on them. Yeah. Uh, important things I, I set, I, I send myself a calendar reminder, uh, those types of little things. But I've seen the detail that you go to and I'm like, I need to get to that level. <laughs> that's where I need to be. <laughs> With Greg, you just have to keep, he keeps writing smaller and smaller. And that's, a, that's when you know it's getting detailed. It's like when I can't read it from afar and it's just like this you're little magnifying kind of, glass, you're like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, whenever the, uh, the teacher would tell you that this is a, a test that you can take, but you can bring one sheet of paper with the notes on, Greg would find a way to write like on the edge of the paper <laughs> and like get even more. Written on it. Well, I'll share a story. Um, my buddy, Landon Wood, um, again, we use first and last names because we're from small towns. We would make cheat sheets, right, for our tests. And his dad's office had like one of the fancy new laser computer printers that you could like print it so small that you couldn't read it with the human eye. However, if you had a pair of glasses and you would set the glasses over the little sheet, it would magnify it just enough to where you could see it and you could read it. And so our thought was, okay, well, if we get caught with it, we just move the glasses away because the teacher isn't going to be able to read the writing. And let's say this, work like clockwork. So follow uh, <laughs> the print, sometimes the better the result. It's all about finding the system that works, Greg. <laughs> man. But right. there is a system. That's the key. Find the system that works for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. 
<laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll have to uh, we'll, we'll do another we'll do a uh, we'll do an in person happy hour at some point, and you can teach Sammy and I um, some of your uh, lifelong lessons for entrepreneurship, and we'll share a little bit of our secrets and organization. How about that? That sounds like a plan. I can teach you about getting your ass kicked. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of fun and humbling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, every I'm like, don't ever do that. <laughs> Step one, don't do it. Step do two. It. Let me show Don't you what it. to do when you do it, because I told you not to. Well, step one's really a test to see how they, how much they really want it. Because if you're like me, you tell me I'm not, you, I can't do something or not to do something, I'm probably gonna go do it. Right. <laughs> so. Well, you you screwed around one time and told me the websites that you would go online and start looking at other businesses, buy, biz, sell, loot net, whatever it was. All right. And, all. And sure enough, I think I was in the same meeting. I was already looking them up on my phone and like bookmarking. And I was like, must learn more. Have to keep. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many NDAs I've signed just looking at businesses. Just I've probably pissed off a lot of business brokers just because I'm like, I'm curious about this business. You know, I'm like I, I just want to kick tires on it. I want to learn about it. You know, I want to see what what it does and how it does it. You know, I don't. That's the stuff that fascinates me. Um, so really weird hobby, I guess, but I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm just curious, do you see yourself in the next five, 10 years taking on one, two, three, four, five different types of businesses? Yeah, I'd like to, um, you know, like I like what I do right now. Um, you know, when I joined Le Lease Analytics, it was kind of like he was reforming a company that had a 15 year success rate or 15 year run before. And then it was just him and some partners had to break up and he was restarting a company that already had proven success. Mm -hmm. And it was basically ground zero. And I was like learning about where he was at and, and everything and learning about his sales cycles and what he was doing to promote the business. I was like, well, I can help a lot with all of this. Um, so I saw some opportunity there and we were able to work out a deal that works for both of us that we're both very happy with. Um, and so I'm kind of a part of a business right now that we're, we're growing. And so it's kind of feeding that side of that, but you know, Tom is, you know, I don't know when he plans to retire, but like, honestly, like I think the dude's a workaholic. So I think he wouldn't <laughs> want to talk about an interesting guy. Like that guy's going to work. I, I see him being like a granddad, like he's just going to work because that's his hobby, you know, that's his passion. Um, I think he's going to work until he can't work anymore. But I mean, there's obviously a sunset on that because he's a lot older than me. And to be honest, I can't do the job without him. So, but I do like the business. I like learning about it. Um, I try to get, tell everybody like, like let's talk about Kurt Junker earlier. One of my dad's best friends, his son, when he graduated college, it's like, no matter what you do, don't be one of these guys that's throwing off the average of working for somebody for two years and deucing out. It's like, at least stay at a company for five years. Like, give it an honest shake. Don't make excuses. Get in there and work your butt off. And, every, and to be honest, like, all the people you're competing with for promotions, you know they're going to leave in two years thinking the grass is greener, and it's not. Like, what you got is probably pretty good it's probably you that's the problem, you know, like take a look at yourself and say, what's this, like, what can I change here? But anyway, um, I mean, I, I, I would like to have a little decent run with this company and 
grow it. But that's not to say that if I found a business that comes along that I'm not going to jump on. Um, I think I'm also at a point where if I did a side business or another business, I would have to bring in a partner. Um, and I've talked to some of these people that are in my network too, some entrepreneurs that are also kind of at that stage where they're like looking for something and they would be a really good partner. Um, so it'd be a little bit different of a play, but, um, and I'm not a hundred percent, I would be doing retail. So, um, yeah, so it's, I'm always looking like I was on Bob is sell today, just seeing what's for sale and seeing how, like, you can learn a lot about the market too, about what's for sale and what's the price. Like, so what's that, what's that website, Hayes? Just Bob is sell, uh, businesses for sale.com. There, there's, there's a bunch of them. <clears throat> I really like real estate. Real estate's interesting. Um, I find myself on LoopNet, but again, by the time it gets to LoopNet, it's usually not a good deal. Uh, the trick is to find the deal before it hits the market. And that's the hard thing to find. Um, it's a really hard space to play in. Once you get into that network though, there's a lot of opportunity and it's just trying to get your way into that. Real estate's, real estate's fun. Like I like real estate. Um, I've done well on some of the things and I've, broke even on some other things. I mean, I haven't really ever lost my ass in real estate. So that, I guess that's why I like it. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> um, but some things I've done, I've done really, really, really well on. And it's, it's made a lot of sense. So um, yeah, like real estate's fun and it doesn't take a ton of time after you get it going. Like once you get the tenants in place, uh, if you get the right deal structure, uh, the right commercial tenant, it's, it's a little bit easier to manage. It's just a couple hours a month. Um, but do you prefer, uh, commercial over residential? Yes. Yes. Is, is it because of the tenants and just the, the ease of management and not having to worry about so many just different things that are going to pop up along the day? That, and if you like to make money, I mean, like <clears throat> if you want to break even deal, that you're just waiting on appreciation and somebody else is going to service the debt and you're just praying that a, an air conditioning unit doesn't go out or a water heater or something like that. Um, something that's just going to cover the bills. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It's easy to do to, to buy a house and there's nothing wrong with it. Some people do it and they have plenty of them, but um, you're, you're not making any cash. You know, you might make $500 a year off of that. Like it, if somebody can do it differently while servicing debt, I'd be all ears. I mean, probably the VRBO model, don't get me wrong. That makes a lot of money. Honestly, I've looked at that. I just don't know if I want to be a hotel because uh, you're dealing with tons of people renting. Um, there's, there's logistics issues. You got to have a good property manager unless you want to do it yourself. I don't know. I've looked at that a lot too. I've known a lot of people that have done really well with it, uh, but just owning a rent house, you can do it. I've done it a couple of times. Um, people don't realize that commercial property, you, for the same price that you go buy that rent house, you can go buy a commercial property making two times as much. Mm -hmm. So why would you go do that? Like everybody looks at the barriers of entry is 
high on commercial real estate. You can go buy a two or $300,000 property, same as you can go buy a two or $300,000 rent house. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you might have to broaden your search and not look directly in Frisco, Texas or wherever, but you might have to look 500 miles out, but it, it's there. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be, a, be afraid of it. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I know we're getting together later on this week and I've got some questions for you already. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm coming in hot with some questions on some of those crazy ideas. Uh, you and I have had lunch you know, a couple times before and, and I've picked your brain and I've, uh, you know, I've, I've shared with you some thoughts that I've had on some certain things. So I've always appreciated your insight, um, just seeing it from someone that's done it, someone that understands it. Likewise, I mean, I don't think I'm not picking up things and tidbits from y'all either, you know, like I'm always trying to pull the marketing side out of you, Sammy. <laughs> like what are changing, what's changing in social media right now? Or what are you liking about this? So <laughs> I've got my ear to it constantly. Well, Greg, I know there was a, there was a topic that we wanted to cover too, and I want to make sure that that we we get to it because not only is it a fun conversation, but you know it's something that we're all passionate about, and that's fitness. Um, I think from from a very young age, I think y'all two have probably got me beat on, on the fitness side. I was always just one of those athletes that didn't put a lot of emphasis on fitness. I was just, you know, for lack of a better term, I was able to play sports at a decent level sometimes but want to touch on uh sometimes <laughs> in, in a small town so i kind of you know take it for what it's worth but uh I, i'd love to kind of go down that path greg i know you had some some really good questions i'd love to hear your take and questions to, to Hayes about them too yeah. yeah and in our conversations getting to know Hayes, he and i you know we've talked a lot about um whether it's you know weightlifting or um sports athletics just everything from our love for just kicking ass and yeah. uh, and oh, just yeah. you know, eventually Hayes and I will own a dojo. Yes. Um, it may or may not be called Cobra Kai if we have any type of trademark or, or copyright patent issues. It'll be called Cobra Kai, Greg, because if they want to do anything about it, they can come fight us for it. <laughs> See, that, and, and that right yeah, there, people, is why Hayes Carter is is a person you should listen to nonstop, and you should go back and re-listen to this podcast and write down everything he has to say. <laughs> Um, Hayes, talk a little bit about, um, about fitness in your life. And I like how earlier you mentioned that right now you're in a season where yep. you're really just now getting back into it. And that's true for so many people that our lives take us in different directions. But when you have a, a reason and a why on why health and wellness is important to you, you always go back to it. But what's been the why for you? And, and why has that been a big part of your life? And talk to me a little bit about um, just that journey that you've had through uh, through fitness in your life. Yeah, uh, wow, that's a that's a long answer there, Greg. Uh, Get it? <clears throat> so, you know, fitness has been a part of my life, my whole life. Like, I mean, I've literally been a very active person. Um, but I guess it started when I was younger. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, with my granddad, he. He used to call me cricket. Like I used to bounce off the walls. Like one time I sat down in front of him when I was like eight years old and just started doing sit-ups for, I don't know how long, but he, he got worried at one point and made me stop because he thought he was, I was going to hurt myself. <laughs> uh, that's how long I went on. Um, but, you know, I guess growing up, I started riding mountain bikes and racing that. And then 
I got to high school, but I was always a really small guy. Like I was, I was like 110 pounds when I got to high school. I was small, playing football, doing all this stuff. Um, finally, like my end of my sophomore year, I got tired of just being small. I got tired of being the guy that everybody liked to hit and see how far he could fly. I got tired of being the guy that people want to pick on because, you know, they could, there wasn't much I could do about it. Um, so me and one of my buddies, it's still one of my close friends today. Like we went and joined a gym and like we'd work out at school or whatever. And we'd leave and we'd go to this gym. We had no idea what we were doing. We were looking at fitness magazines and like, Oh yeah, you know, we got to do this. Like we got to work the biceps to get the arms big. You know, it's like, it's just so stupid. Um, we did like 90 different ab exercises every day too, which was probably pretty great. But there's like all these old guys in the gym, you know, like they're like, somebody's got to help these kids. And right. so they start coaching us and telling us stuff. And, you know, like after a year, I gained like 15 pounds, you know, it's like, all right. And then we got a new coach in and he brought on powerlifting. Uh, did really well my junior year, went to state and all that. And then uh, senior year, the scale at school was off. <laughs> so I went up a weight class, kind of screwed myself because at that time losing like five or six pounds was a big deal to me, you know, like even losing 10 pounds was a big deal. But <clears throat> we didn't have wrestling at my school. Like it was a new program. Nobody was like losing 10 pounds is nothing. I thought I would go up a weight class, go up and just get totally destroyed. Whereas if you look at my numbers, I would have uh, done really well if I'd have just lost the five pounds and gone down to 148. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, you live and you learn. Don't just trust one skill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, powerlifting a little bit in college as part of a national championship team for Louisiana Tech. Had a lot of fun there. Uh, competed as a 165. I learned that losing 15 pounds wasn't a big deal, uh, you know. Um, and I've, I've always worked out, you know. I, I played a little bit of rugby in college. And then, um, yeah, like just fitness. I've, I've, there's one thing I always knew, like when I moved to a new town, like right out of college, it's like I always had this thing in my mind, like having a gym membership was like having a library card. It's like no excuse not to have one. Whether you're using it or not, you need a gym membership because you need to be doing something. And that was my philosophy. And I, you know, right out of college, I lived in Lufkin, Texas. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's two things to do in Lufkin. It's either work out or drink beer. And I'm like, you know, it's like, you can only drink so much beer before you need to start working on your career. Yeah. And I took up passion for, for fitness. I worked out a lot. Um, they moved me around a lot. Every time I, they moved me to a new town, it was a, you know, it was a shift where it kind of disrupted me and it didn't work out for a little bit and then I'd get back at it. Um, it's always just a temporary fix. It was, <clears throat> I have the mindset that it's never indefinite. This is just temporary, it's just temporary. I'm gonna get back at it. I've done it before. And you know, you have kids. Uh, I'm going through it right now to be 100% honest. Like, I am weak right now. Like it's embarrassing. Like uh, for, for my standards, for what I, I'm embarrassed for myself, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't like being this out of shape. Like it's just not, it's not me. I'm not saying I need to go run five miles. Like I'm not a long distance runner anymore or anything like I never have been. But um, 
I'm just saying, like, I should be able to do certain things. And when I struggle to do certain things, that bothers me. And it starts lighting a fuel under my, under my butt. And I don't want to be the dad that can't go do something with his kids mm. or uh, the dad that can't play with his kids. Now, like my, my motivation shifted, obviously. I want to be here for my children. I want to be here for my wife. I want to have fun. I don't want to be held back because I can't go do something. Um, like personal story, my brother's in a wheelchair. He got, he was in a farming accident. My uncle actually ran over him with a cotton picker wow. when he was 25 years old. My brother was an athlete too. He, he played college football. He was a deep snapper. Uh, he's a lot bigger than me. He got the opposite genes. I was a little guy. He was a big guy. Um, you know, and you see that, you, you see a guy in, his, in a wheelchair, 25 years old, you know, he, he was in the hospital for six months. It's a, it's a miracle he's even alive. Wow. Um, yeah, he's got a whole testimony. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, people take their health for granted. You get one body, you get one shot at it. There's no redos, there's no do-overs. I guarantee you, uh, in 20 years from now, if you look back and you say, man, I got diabetes or I'm about to lose my leg or whatever, you're going to go, or you wake up one day and you're 70 pounds overweight or 80 pounds overweight and you're trying to lose all this weight and you think you got this giant mountain to climb. There's two things there. You're, you're going to wish that you wouldn't have taken it for granted because it's a little bit easier to do a little bit every day than do a lot one day. But also remember on the flip side of that is God's not going to give you a challenge that you can't handle. Mm -hmm. So if that's the, if that's the challenge that God's given you, he's given it to you for a reason. So follow through with it, accept it, battle it, do what you got to do, but don't ever give up, like find a way to win. Um, I, I, I don't know what your motivation is, Greg, but I look at it like our body's an opportunity and we take it for granted every day. Every day we're alive, we're walking. We're like, I look at my brother who's stuck in a wheelchair. He battles bed sores. He, he's unemployable because he has so, he spends so much time in the hospital. <clears throat> and I'm over here going, what's my excuse? You know, like I have two legs that move. I should be able-bodied until I can't. So I'm going to take care of myself the best I can. If I go through a phase where I get out of shape, I'm going to kick my butt and I'm going to get back after it. But, but what's, what's your, like, Sammy, I know you've lost a, a ton of weight. Like, what's your motivation now? Yeah, well, it's very similar. I mean, I've got small kids too. I think, uh, you know, I'm about to have a seven and a five-year-old. They're, they're about to age up. But, you know, all through high school, I didn't have a problem with, with weight, you know? Like, I played football, basketball, baseball, track. You know, I was active. I mean, I was always on the go. Still to this day, I mean, I was, you know, still mountain bike, I rollerblade, I skateboard, I run, you know, all that kind of stuff. Where it was a big shift for me. And when I started to really shed the pounds, I got up to the story that I have is that I got up to probably, I mean, the scale, the scale stopped moving. It, it literally was one of the rotary ones and the little, the little thing pegged and it pegged at 299. And I, I kid you not. That looked like it was about to break. Like it wanted to keep going. It was that bad. Um, so I was probably easily pushing 315. I mean, at the time. Um, 
and I, I had that realization. It's like, okay, I need to kind of, you know, clothes aren't fitting, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was still playing basketball. I mean, one of the testaments to, to my mindset was like, I'm, I'm going to outwork you. It, it doesn't matter. Like I'm in a fitness challenge right now with Greg's brother, uh, he, with the Apple watch. And he, he, uh, started to creep up in the points today. I was like, oh, don't think I'm not going to sleep without knocking this out and, and putting you back to where you belong. But um, the thing that really shifted for me was the kids. Um, and it was the exact same phrase that you used was, I didn't want to be the dad that couldn't you know, roll around on the ground with my kids and then get up without, you know, creaking, moaning or support or like couldn't go on a hike with them or couldn't go do be active. It's like, and it really resonated with what you said is that the fact that you've got this and I've never taken care of this growing up from a eating perspective and from a getting stuff fixed perspective. So that really changed a lot of my mindset. And I think a lot of dads, you know, as someone that's about to become a dad, even like they need to start realizing that now, like it's not a responsibility for you anymore. It's a responsibility for everyone else. And you need yep. to be there to be able to handle it for them. Well, it's it's also like, I look at it like tithing a little bit too. Like you, you gotta give the first part of your day or, you know, everybody has their own time. Your first part of your day needs to be given to the God, given to God, you know, like, and then you gotta give your, your, your best part of yourself to your day. Uh, but if you're looking to perform your best and even in your career, <clears throat> pro athletes, they train to go play a game. If you're in a business setting, you're a pro at what you're doing. Why is that any different? Why are you not training to be at the top of your game? Because if you're not training to be at the top of your game, I guarantee you the competition that's coming for your job is. Yeah. You should be on it. Hey, like, Hazen, you know, you asked me kind of my, my story. It started very similar to yours. We're growing up. Um, I wasn't one of the smallest kids in my school. I was the smallest kid in my school. And, uh, you know, where you were like, man, I was at like 154, 115, 120. That's as high as I ever got. So I've always been the smallest guy. And so I realized that I had to work harder. I had to really, really focus on my fitness and athletics to be able to compete in all these sports that I love. And that dedication and just that understanding allowed me to be able to do that. And so I had a, a healthy respect and I had an understanding of what being in shape and being fit could do. Now, when I got to college, it was interesting because while I still lived an active lifestyle, I was indulging in just all the bad habits that come along with being a freshman in college. And I'll never forget, um, I walked into the living room um, of the place I was staying at the time and four of my roommates were in the living room and one of them goes, oh man, look at Greg, he's got a beer belly. And I looked down and, you know, here I have this huge beer belly and I'm like this kind of skinny kid everywhere else. And I went, my other roommate had one of those like uh, uh, wall mirrors. You can kind of see your whole body. And I went and looked at myself and I was like, sure enough, I got a beer belly. This isn't good. And so uh, I literally went and joined a gold gym in College Station, Texas and started a routine of, of cardio and weightlifting. And over the next 20, 25 years, I bet I haven't missed 10 scheduled workouts in my life because I've developed this mindset. And this is ultimately where I'm getting with this. I've developed a mindset that my why is so powerful 
And it alludes to something you just said, Hayes. I have so many goals that I want to accomplish in my life, personally, professionally, things for my community, for my family. If I'm going to be able to accomplish that, I've got to be at my best. And I am convinced 100% that I've got more energy. I have more ability. I have more mental capacity when my body is in tip-top shape. And it started with the fitness. And then Sammy actually really helped me to learn to dial in the other part, which is the dieting and the eating. And when I combine the two, in the last probably seven to eight years of my life, I feel better now at 43 years old than I have at any other point in my life. And that's not, that's not trying to just throw out some random you know, stat or some just story. That's the absolute God honest truth. And so for me, fitness just takes such a huge priority in my life because I realized it's the gateway for me to be successful with everything else that I do. You're, you're absolutely right. Like if, if you want to be at your best and bring your best every day, your body's got to be at its best. Yeah. You know, you and, and Sam, Sammy, I wanted to ask you something. Did you catch something that Hayes said earlier? Because I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm really, I'm really concerned for Hayes and I really want to be a, 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 a partner and really helping Hayes with his fitness but I'm pretty sure I heard him say that he competed in mountain bike riding. <laughs> I did. Yeah. And I, it just so happens that Sammy and I and some of our very, very good buddies over the past year have developed into a little bit of a mountain bike crew and we've got an opening. So Hayes, are you ready to get back into some mountain bike riding? Well, I'd have to get the old Trek 850 uh, tuned <laughs> up. <but laughs> It's just hanging up in the garage. The bike I've rode since I was like 12 or 13. I used wow. to race. Yeah. I used All right, to so unpack Make it. Make us a promise. You're going to ride with us at least one time. Give it a shot. Come out with us. Yeah. I, I'll need to buy a helmet. And uh, I, I think I still got my, my shoes. All right. Yeah. So, so, so we don't want to digress too, too much, but we definitely got to hear this story. Okay. You said you used to race. So tell it to dive into that a little bit. Give us some details. Yeah, so like growing up, like, <clears throat> I mean, my freshman year of high school, I was coming home in between two a days and riding my mountain bike until it was time to go back to the next practice while my brother and all his friends were laid out on the floor. Yes. Uh, that's where I was at. Okay, cricket. <laughs> now I know where you get that cricket name. Yeah, like, I was like, guys, this is nothing. Uh, I just went and rode 20 miles, you know, <laughs> like, um, couldn't do that now. I am not in that kind of shape. But yeah, so like me and my buddies and growing up in like junior high and all that, like we got really into bikes and we rode and rode and rode every day. Uh, and so where I grew up in Ruston, there's actually some really good trails there. They were there for a while there. I don't know if they still are. They were nationally ranked, um, but it was, it's a nine and a half mile loop. Um, and they would have some really big races there every year. And so we started doing that and then we started looking for other races to do. And so we just kind of bounced around. Uh, our parents would take us like, I think we went to Jackson one time and we did the race and it was like a four wheeler trail. We're like, what is this? Like <laughs> we, I think the second year we went to Mississippi to do that race, we negotiated with them to start another class because we're like for our age group, it was one lap and it was five miles and it was on like a four wheeler trail. Our average speed was like 20 something miles an hour. Like we we're falling fast. <laughs> like I, I had a, I remember like I had a stick going my front spoke. I ate it 
got back up and still got second place behind my buddy. <laughs> like, wow. like, I mean, that's, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is not, we were used to riding something really, really hard and I'm not making light of their trails, but they were really easy. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we, we did a little racing. I mean, I spent a lot of time on the bike growing up. I have not spent a lot of time of it recently. So it'd be interesting to watch. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it if I did something stupid and ate it. I, <laughs> my dad did uh, bring my old BMX bike to their, house, to their lake house a while back. And I have been airing up the tires and riding around with my daughter when she gets on her little bike with training wheels that's down there. Uh, so we're kind of pedaling around on it a little bit, but it's a little awkward riding a BMX bike at the size and age I am now. It, used, it feels a little bit different. <laughs> I always say that I, you got to have the proper tools, right? You got And so for me, half of the battle is just finding something that fits being, you know, 6'4 and 185. So anything that I ride that's not made for me, it's, it's just bare on a tricycle. That's what it looks yeah. like. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's carnival all day long. Yes, that's what I feel like I'm on that BMX bike right now. I oh, love it. Okay, well, so Hayes, we'll have a takeaway. We'll be in touch. You got to come out and join us for a ride, and we'll get after it. We'll keep you. We'll keep you on the seat. We won't get you over the bars, but uh, man, we'll have a good time. Yeah, man, let's do it. I'll, I'm, I ain't scared. You know, it'll be fun. That's I actually. That's actually. And Greg, before we move on to the next part, that's one thing I wanted to bring up is that. I have never met somebody that has had the genuine, I don't even know, like the genuine like fortitude, the genuine confidence, whatever it is. Like if you ask Hayes, like, hey, you want to do this? I'll do it. And I know for a fact he will do it. It's if there's right. no, there's no, this isn't show. This isn't theater. This is this is Hayes being Hayes. And you're one of the people that I know that if I were to ask you, like, Hayes, will you give me a ride to the airport tomorrow? And you said yes. You'll probably be here early. You'll probably oh, yeah. probably make me do 10 push-ups before I get in the truck and then we're gone. So I, I, I appreciate that about you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, Hayes, this I, I is uh comments. That's very nice of you. This is uh this is kind of the home stretch, the 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 final two minutes of the show. We start kind of wrapping things up and we're gonna ask you a couple questions. Um that we ask all of our guests that come on the show. And this is kind of a fun thing for Sammy and I um, to hear your responses. And then maybe my favorite part of the show is Sammy and I are gonna share some of the actionable tips and takeaways we've got from this conversation with you. And I can tell you it's gonna be hard because you've given us pages of I think just some really, really good tips, wisdom and statements that, uh, that, that man, it's just, it, this has been awesome. But in terms of a question to ask you, and again, this is kind of a, it's a, it's a subjective question, but what's the first thing that comes to your mind in terms of personal growth and development? What are some actionable tips, maybe a method or a routine, or maybe a lesson learned that has played a very valuable role in your life that you would share with our audience? Start reading, start reading the book, listen to the book, do whatever you got to do. Uh, your mind is a powerful thing. And if you don't feed it the right, like, um, if you're feeding it with negativity, it's going to be full of negativity. If you're feeding it full of, uh, things that will be helpful for you, positive things, uh, business things, sales things, whatever, 
that's what you're going to become. You're going to become what you focus on and what you're, you're putting into your mind constantly every day. Like when you're driving in the car, how many times have you heard the George Strait song? Love him to death, but is that helping you? There, there's 30 minutes or an hour or four hours. Where, I don't know where the hell you're driving, but there's time there where you could be doing something productive and listening to the book. And that's one thing I realized every day I was driving from Frisco to Rowlett when I opened my first business. Um, like when I had to humble myself and say, okay, I need to start learning. I'm driving an hour one way every day. George Bush tollway wasn't done all the way then. So I had like cut off and go around. And, right. Uh, but I started knocking out some books, man. Things started changing in my life. So. And, and these are audible books, correct? You're not, you're not actually reading and driving. Am I, am I correct? Greg, I'm a crazy son. <laughs> I like to challenge. All I got two hands. One hand on the book. One hand here, one hand here. I believe it. I got a question for you, Greg. What would Cobra Kai do? <laughs> what would Cobra Kai do? Dude, Cobra Kai would have the audible going and the book in their hand, doing both, reading along while they're driving. See? You get it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I've been learning. Well, I got I got to follow up to that question real quick before we go to the next one is like, what do you have a, a, a one, two, three types of books or three books that, oh. that you've read in the past that are like, all right, these are go to start with these. Well, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Napoleon Hill, Thinking Grow Rich. I mean, I think that should be, I think it's like the, it's basically like the, I, I don't want to say Bible because there's only one Bible, but right. it's like the, it's the origin story for every it's the og self-help book right yeah like you start reading any sales book or any business book they all tie back to this thing um i mean outside of outside of proverbs you know proverbs 1 through 31 there's 31 days in the bible there's one proverbs proverbs is the perfect business plan you know it tells you everything you need to know uh but and, and i would recommend that just read Proverbs, even if you're not a Christian. Mm -hmm. Read Proverbs 1 through 31. Talk to somebody who understands it or just get on Google each verse. You will learn so much. Read one a day. There's 31 of them. Read one a day. That's the perfect business plan. Um, teaches you about everything you need to know. Uh, but Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill is definitely number one. I'm a big fan of uh, Norman Vincent Peale's Power of Positive Thinking. That's a, that's a powerful one. Uh, just about mindset, the, like that's a basis of everything. And then like a third one, depending on what, what you're into, like, um, God, what would be a good third for just generic? Because mine have always been sales focused. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think of something that would just be generally helpful. Um, or even just one that did still resonates with you. I mean, so one that, you know, there's one that's resonating with me now that I, I haven't finished. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm close to finishing it. Um, it's, it's this cash flow or profit first book by um, Mike. I can't even pronounce his last name because it's really, really long. Um, <laughs> Mike, let me pull up his name. But it's, it's Profit First is the name of the book. He's written a couple other things like The Pumpkin Plan, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. Mike 
Michael Walski, uh, M-I-C-H-A-L-O-W-I-C-Z, Profit First. This book, I, it really resonated with me because I'm, I'm not done with it, but it basically tells you about when you start a business, how to set up the structure of your bank accounts. And the general rules of accounting are all wrong. And you should take a little bit of money off the top all the time and pay yourself a profit and force your kind of like paying yourself first, you know, when it comes to savings accounts. Um, just if you if you force yourself to live within these certain means, just like uh, if you start paying into a 401k, getting taken out of your checking account, suddenly you can still pay all your bills, but you're $400 a month less, but you still manage to pay all your bills because you're spending less, you find expenses to cut. So basically it's all about, I'm gonna take my money first that I need to operate this, this, and this. Mm. And then this is what I have for OPEX expenses. I'm like, holy cow, I wish I'd have known this before. I'm in the middle of trying to figure all that out. <laughs> he has a lot of worksheets that you can download off of his website. Um, and I'm, I'm hot and heavy in the middle of all that. And I, I wish I'd have known that before I got started because if I'd have known this structure, I would have set it up from my, that, this way from the beginning. Wow. Now it's hard to set it up because it's like you got to set up additional bank accounts and change your structure. You got to tell your bookkeeper what you're doing and they're going to think you're crazy. <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah. All right. So question number two, part of our growth question. This one's a little more philosophical. Uh, this one is, can you share some wisdom that has benefited you over the years? Ooh, that's a... That's a deep one. Yeah, like one thing that's always resonated with me is I was at church one day and they had a guy there and he was talking, he, he, he sold a book or whatever. He's just from South Africa. And I ended up buying his book and reading it just because his message made so much sense to me, but it was about finding a new way to win. Um, just because, and that's always stuck with me in really tough negotiations. Uh, and I've been in some really complex situations that probably not like I can't, probably shouldn't talk about, but I've been in some really complex negotiations that lasted several months. Um, but, and then I've been in some other situations where, you know, like where you have a tornado wreck your business, not, well, two of your businesses, ruins of January because, you know, I can't really complain about it because customers lost their homes and everything else. I have two businesses where a tornado literally went across the parking lot of one of them, didn't destroy my business, but it destroyed my first quarter, which in the gym business, that's everything. Obviously cancellations go through the roof and all that happened right when I'm one month into opening a brand new wax in the city. You know, it's like, you're really looking at everything and all of your cash just goes, what do you do? Um, you find a new way to win. And it's just, whenever you think that you're out of options, there's always another option. You just haven't thought of it yet. Think harder, find another way, like keep fighting until you can find that next thing. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There might be times to, to cut your arm off the same, save the body, but 
Um, and you'll have to make that decision when you get to that point. And looking back on it, knowing what I know now, I wish I'd have done that then. I wish I'd have cut my arm off on some things and some things not. Uh, but just because you your back's against the wall doesn't mean that you're out of options. You always have an option, always have an option. Mm. So fight. Love that. So Hayes, this question is, is unique. Oftentimes, you've probably been asked this, if you could talk to yourself 10 years ago, what advice would you have given yourself, right? Well, we're gonna flip that on you. So what if you today, Hayes Carter sitting here on March 24th, had the chance to visit with Hayes 10 years from now, what advice would you give your future self? What would you wanna tell your future self today that you think would benefit him 10 years in the future? I don't even know how this is possible because how can my future self not know what I already know? You'd be surprised. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. There's been times in my life where I've developed and gone through a season of really bad habits where myself 10 years ago would have looked at me and been like, Greg, what the F are you doing? Okay. No, that's what right? Does that kind of frame it a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's, yes. <laughs> Future haze. Number one, I would probably tell myself not to let myself go. Uh, stay on working out, exercising, trying to eat better. You know, like don't get me wrong. For a long part of my life, diet and exercise, like diet and all that, is not. I do okay with it, but I'm not a pro at it. Like, like my boy Sammy over there, and now now Greg. Um, so I would tell my future self to eat better and, and work out more because I know that as I get older, that's going to be the, the hardest challenge in my daily routine. It's easy to be lazy. Mm -hmm. It's easy to, I'd also tell my future self to, to spend less time on my phone and spend more time with my family. Um, because I know that these damn devices are going to consume more and more and more of us because they're designed to do it. And like, I catch myself doing it every day. Uh, there's only gonna be one time when my son's nine months old and there's only gonna be one time when my daughter's almost four. You know, I'm never gonna get to relive this day with her again, enjoy those laughs. That business can come and go. That will be in my past, you know, memories or not. Like, so I would tell my future self to, Focus on your health and then focus on your family and put down the distractions, you know. Um, I don't know, because I know it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Like, I'm almost to a point where if I could figure out a way to operate businesses and just go back to a flip phone, <laughs> I could, but because these things are the devil, man. I get sucked in all the time. Um, yeah. 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 Hey, but also, don't, don't fret, you know, there, the challenge is upon us all. I mean, that's the thing. It's yeah. like, they're, they're doing this to us, you know? And, and the thing is, it's like the discipline that you have will overcome, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find that, that even with me, I mean, I'm the same way. Like part of my job is to keep up to date with what they're doing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, and I know it and I'm like, this is, oh, look, here's a tactic that I know of that I heard coming down the pipe, you know, 
three, but four it, months ago. It wins. It There's wins. flaw. We're, we're human beings and we're naturally flawed, man. We're like big, big, dumb monkeys. I don't know if y'all can hear that. The tornado sirens is going off right now. So if I have to cut out here in a little bit, uh, <laughs> I know why. The basement. Yeah, right. Let me, go, let me go build a basement real quick. I'll be right back. All right, Don't Greg. Dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Well, yeah, well, Sammy, this is, is definitely my favorite part of, of all of our episodes. And this has been one of the hardest for me during our conversation for me to be able to narrow down three actionable tips or takeaways from our conversation. And I'll just share this, Hayes. Just really, you're one of my favorite people. And just listening to the conversation tonight, there's things that I've written down that I didn't just write down to take notes for this conversation, but like are going to become actionable items that are going to go on those goals that I tell you about that I keep so organized to work on. And uh, man, you really shared some great stories and just some amazing actionable tips. But I have narrowed down three that I'll share. But Sammy, I wanted to ask, do you want to go first or do you want me to lead off? Let me go first because there's an active tornado warning in, yeah. in my area right now. And uh, I hear the wife going up to get the girls. So just in case, yeah. So here's my three. Okay. All right, so number one was one of the things I think that, that you said about your grandpa, which I was a huge fan of my grandpa's as well. One was a farmer as well. Um, but show up and lead from the front. Um, I think that's a key aspect, especially in today's world right now, where, where I think we need more people doing that. Man, woman, or child, show up and lead from the front. Um, number two is everything is a temporary pause. You can get back to where you want. This is just temporary. And so many times I, even me, like when I'm, when I'm off my game a little bit, uh, one of the things that I've told myself is like, I'll get mad at myself. I've told this on other podcasts. I'll get mad at myself. I'm like, why did I do this? I can't believe I did that. Or why did I, you know, go back to a bad habit or whatever? It's like, nope. It's like, it's just temporary. It's temporary. So I'm glad that we echo that too. Uh, and then I actually have three and four kind of combined. So number, number three is something you mentioned that I have to pay attention to. And I love that you said this is, it's easier to do a little bit every single day, day than to do it all at once. Um, that's, a, that's a huge thing for people to realize because I get that way. I want to eat the elephant in one bite. And I just sort of got to remember sometimes, like I got to have the plan, but they also just take the bites as I need to. So um, that's that. And the last little piece then, Greg, I hope I don't steal this, but uh, from you is you are a professional and you should be training or someone is coming for your job. And so those, those are my you know, four takeaways that I have. Yep. Well, oh, go ahead, Hayes. No, I just, I, I, I appreciate, like that's, you don't realize that all this stuff is deep down inside of you until you heard it read back to you. So thank you for taking those notes and that's, that's awesome. Well, and I, I have, think this is, and I have more, but I know Greg's got some good ones too. Well, this is one of the first time. Usually, Sammy and I fight over each other of who we're gonna like, which which takeaways we're gonna share because, you know, there's usually just several that just really stand out. But you had so many. Yeah. Um. One thing that I'll just take away from the whole conversation, Hayes, is I love the fact that you're just extremely curious and you're the epitome of a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And it just goes into I think the success that you've had and the person you are. And I love the story of, man, when I'm in the bar 
or I'm at the restaurant, you're going to find me talking to the old guy in the corner, whether he's, you know, been an entrepreneur his whole life or he's worked for the man for his whole life, because there's something that I can learn from him. And so just love that mindset that you have. Two, again, this kind of just, it, it was flowed through the entire conversation. It's the people you surround yourself with. So if you're looking to be an entrepreneur, if you're looking to be um, a certain type of professional, or if you're looking to accomplish certain goals in your life, maybe the best thing you can do is surround yourself with people that have done it or are in the process of doing it. And whether that's mentors, whether that's people that are like-minded, who you choose to be in your inner circle has so much influence on your life. And you're a testament of that. And I think that's so cool. I and think then, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Thing on that, Jeff Olson wrote a book called Slight Edge. And I know they talk about Napoleon Hill surrounding yourself, but Jeff Olson said, um, if you take your five closest friends that you surround yourself with and average their salary, it's probably what you're making. Wow. Mm. I believe it. I absolutely believe wow. it. It's a good book to read. And but. then I'm going to do like Sammy. I'm actually going to, I'm going to do four instead of three, but I also like that you talked about entrepreneurs always want to help people. And it's so true. And I think that goes to um, most aspects of our life. I am guilty of trying to be the person that does things on my own because either A, I'm embarrassed to ask for help. B, maybe i am uh, got a little bit of an ego issue and I feel like I should be able to do it on my own. Or C, I just don't think people want to help me. The reality is most people, and again, I'm painting with a, with a broad brush here, most people love to be asked for help. It's, and sometimes it's one, one of the most complimentary things you can do is to go to someone and say, I recognize you as somebody who is really good at something. I would like to ask you to help me with it. And if you're sincere with it, the likelihood they're going to reciprocate is just off the wall. And I think your story about entrepreneurship really touched that with me. And it made me realize even today, as someone who's been working on that, Greg, stop trying to do things all on your own and ask for help. People will be there to help you and you're better together than you are alone. And again, that goes back to Proverbs. Yep. That, you know, that, goes to, that goes to the last thing I wanted to bring in is what you're feeding yourself. That is probably my biggest passion right now. I've been doing so much research on just the brain and how the thoughts that we have, how we have the ability to spend them and how we have the ability to change our physiology and we have the ability to change our stress, our anxiety, our depression, our fear by just the way we think. And there's a lot of different things that go into that, but maybe one of the most important is what we're feeding ourselves from what we're listening to, what we're talking about, what we're watching. You have the ability to feed yourself. So make sure you're doing it on things that are beneficial, that are positive. And just like you said, most of us have a 30 to 40 minute ride to work. That is an easy time to be able to put on a podcast or an, or a, an audio book, to be able to listen to something positive. When you're getting ready in the morning, Maybe instead of listening to news radio or sports talk radio, maybe you do the same thing and you put on a sermon or you put on something that's going to be positive to get your day started. Or if it's just something that you're just genuinely interested in learning, allocate time to be able to do that. It's amazing the impact it has on your life. So Hayes, that was four of probably a hundred takeaways that I have from our conversation today. Yep. No, I, this was, this was amazing. I appreciate y'all. Like I'm honored to be 
on y'all's pod, podcast. Like this is, this is really cool that I even got asked. So I, I thank y'all, you know, and I'm, I'm just, I'm happy to know y'all. Like, I'm, I'm like, I know guys that wrote a book, man. <laughs> like, like that's official. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think I know too many authors. So that's, that's really cool. But the cool thing though, is I've actually seen y'all practice what you preach. And that's the biggest thing. I didn't see two guys write a book and just bullshit their way through it. And they're, look, we're going to do this for making money. No, this is a true passion project for y'all. This is something y'all are obsessed with. Like I see y'all do this on a daily basis. And that's impressive to me that that routine consistency. That's, that's solid, man. That's Thank something. You for saying that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, that means I'm a lot. Really proud of y'all. I'm proud to know y'all. Like I'm glad to have y'all in my circle of friends. Like, I just, I look forward to getting to know y'all more and going to show y'all how to shred on some mountain bikes. Yes. <laughs> we might, we might bring down that average that you're talking about from time to time. But I was going <laughs> to say, you are square pegged. If, and when you, when you get into the book, chapter nine, I think Greg had it right with lifelong learning. I, I, I think you'll really, I mean, you'll, we know for a fact you're going to enjoy this book more than any book you've ever read in your entire life. Yeah. Um, but I think that you're really going to appreciate chapters nine and chapters 13 uh, the most because we did not even touch about your faith, which is something that I've always uh, appreciated about you, too. And the fact that you um, believe in. You got to have it. Yeah. You believe in America. And I, I, I want to talk more about America with you the next time, because this isn't the only time. This is the first time that we're going to talk. Land of opportunity. There's a reason why uh, immigrants or was it seven times more likely to be successful than our own U.S. citizens because they have a heightened sense of opportunity when they come here. Wow. That's I amazing. believe it. It's amazing. Well, Hayes, it's, 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 I know it's, it's high. But. Hayes, as we wrap up, buddy, anything you want to share with the audience? Uh, you would like to promote? Anything that you're doing, tell people how they can get a hold of you, where they can learn more about you, anything online, whatever you want to talk about, man. The spotlight's yeah, I mean, on you. If you need a wax, like come see us at Wax in the City Frisco. I, I mean, we'd be more than happy to, to help you out, get you ready for spring break or post spring break or for summer, you know. Uh, we do men and women's waxing. So uh, Greg, I know you're doing for your, your male Brazilian. Uh, we'd love to get you in, get y'all cleaned up down there. I appreciate I mean, that, man. I've been looking good in your Speedo this year, man. Um, I've got a pink one this year, too. I'm excited about it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, like, get out and support local. Like, go spend money. Don't Just because you have, like, a bad experience at a small business, give, give them another chance. Businesses are struggling right now. Small businesses are getting their ass kicked left and right. If you got some money to spend and you have an option to spend it with them, go spend it with a small business. Like help them, help your community. These are the guys that sponsor your, your little league teams. These are the guys that they, they employ more people in your community. They, they, employ your, they employ your kids or your, you know, the teenagers, give them their first jobs. Everybody overlooks them. We're, we're the... It's the hardest space to live in. I was having uh, lunch with a guy the other day that's starting a small business. And he learned that it's easier for him because he came from the space in oil and gas 
where he worked for a PE-backed oil and gas company. He's like, hey, it was easier for me to get $100 million to go start an oil and gas company. And don't get me wrong. He didn't have the $100 million in his pocket. He was getting a salary and all that, but he was able to raise the funds to go start an oil company. He's like, it was easier for me to do that than to get an SBA loan to go start a small business. I was like, yeah, well, welcome to the shit show, man. <laughs> we're, the, we're the most berated people in the world. So um, small business owners across the board have it rough. And the environment right now that we're in is even tougher and more yeah. challenging. So if, if you have some time and you need something and you have a choice, support small, you know, the, the big guys are raking it in. So just help them out when you can, show some empathy. Is, I'm sorry, I mean, Coach, I was going to say, is there, is there a website or is there anywhere that people can contact or anywhere that, that you want them to contact you? It's kind of, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not hard to find. Uh, like, I don't have a personal website. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you can email me, uh, hayes.carter at anytimefitness.com. Um, I'd be happy to talk to anybody, hear your story, hear what you got going on. I mean, I'm, I'm an easygoing guy. I'm pretty down to earth. So if you got something going on and want to talk about it or whatever, I'd be happy to hear you out. Well, I was, I was going to add that um, Hayes won, you know, when you talk about small businesses, I think that uh, it is well known that the small business is the backbone of America and the American economy. There's not, there's no argument to be made against that. So I love your plea to say, Hey, people, be intentional about where you spend your money. Yeah. And for people that are listening right now, I would, I would imagine that if you have entrepreneurial ideals and you're interested in someone to uh, learn a little bit from, you just got Hayes' email address. So uh, shoot him an email and I guarantee you he'd be open to hear you out and, and, and give you some of that wisdom that he shared with us today. Yeah. So just awesome, Hayes. Well, I appreciate y'all. This, this has been fun. I've, I've enjoyed it and I've been looking forward to it all day. So, nice. well, really? we're, like we said, this is this isn't the first time, uh, or this isn't just a time. This is the first time, so we'll definitely have to pick your brain a little bit more, and love to follow back up with you here soon. Well, I look yeah. forward to picking y'all's brains a little bit more because we didn't get to do that too much. Uh, I'm sure y'all dive into it and drop little nuggets on on every one of the podcasts, but. Yeah, we, we, we have our we have our pieces here and there, but that kind of leads us into for everyone listening at home. If you wanted to uh, learn more about the pursuit of growth, if you want to listen to our other shows, in addition to the Hayes Carter Pursuit of Growth show, hit up our website at www.livetpg.com. You'll also see our blog that we post weekly. You have an opportunity to buy the book. The second greatest personal development book in the world next to uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, and the third greatest book on the planet behind the Bible and Think and Grow Rich. And then also on our website, you can follow us on all of our social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, but with that, man, live the pursuit of growth. Hayes, you're awesome. Thanks again, buddy. Hey, uh, thank y'all. Thanks so much, Hayes.